Today's show is sponsored by Malwarebytes, modern cybersecurity that eliminates the online threats traditional security software misses. Get with the times. Get Malwarebytes for business. Learn more at Malwarebytes.com. That's Malware, B-Y-T-E-S, dot com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, April 7th. In today's news, the coronavirus is clobbering the African-American community. The president's embrace of hydroxychloroquine illustrates how he prioritizes anecdotes over science. And Boris Johnson is getting oxygen in an ICU. But first, the big idea. There are now more than 1.3 million confirmed cases worldwide of COVID-19. The virus has killed more than 73,000 people globally. Here in the United States, at least 10,908 people have died as of 9 p.m. last night. And we have at least 367,000 cases. The cascading news about this pandemic is stomach-churning. But it can start to feel abstract because the numbers are growing so staggeringly large. It's important to remember the human faces behind each statistic. Every number is someone's child or brother or sister or mother or father. One of our newly fallen here in the D.C. area is 27-year-old Lilani Jordan. She was a greeter at the giant grocery store in Largo, Maryland, a suburb of Washington. Her mother told us that her daughter only stopped going to work quote, when she could no longer breathe because they needed the income. Rolando Aravina, just 44 years old, died yesterday on the very same day that his twin daughters turned 10. Jerry and Francis Williamson, a Mississippi couple, fell ill during a recent cruise. Yesterday, they died minutes apart in a hospital room together as they held each other's hands. They were both 72 and they'd been married 50 years. Stuart and Adrian Baker, the parents of a star sports agent, also recently celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary in Florida where they had retired. They died six minutes apart from the coronavirus. They too held hands until the bitter end. There are hundreds more stories I could tell you, and I wish I could, to honor the lives of everyone we're losing. And it pains me to say that for every couple dying while holding hands, many more are dying all alone without anyone's hand to hold, either because they're single or divorced or because hospitals are blocking loved ones from coming into intensive care units. The coronavirus body count in New York State held steady yesterday for the second consecutive day at about 600 deaths. That's a once unthinkable statistic, but now it gives officials some cautious reason to hope that the pandemic may, may be cresting there. Two days of data is not nearly enough to identify a trend, but officials say there are other glimmers of hope, including significant declines in the past two days in the number of new people hospitalized, admitted to intensive care units, and intubated. New York remains the most severe area for the outbreak in the United States, with more than 130,000 residents testing positive, far more than anywhere else. 
And officials caution that it's impossible to know whether New York has indeed reached the apex or whether the recent numbers are only a lull before worse ones. With approximately 16,000 coronavirus patients in New York hospitals this morning, healthcare professionals say their resources are strained, but for now, still sufficient to meet demand. President Trump has agreed to use the 1,000-bed Navy hospital ship, the USNS Comfort, which is docked on the west side, to treat patients with COVID-19 after the Navy resisted doing so for the past week. That's on top of the 4,000 temporary beds that are being constructed at the nearby Javits Center Convention Hall. And the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine in Manhattan is also being turned into an emergency hospital. Nine climate-controlled medical tents capable of holding at least 200 patients will be erected by the end of the week in the 600-foot-long nave in the equally large subterranean crypt. It is the largest Gothic cathedral in the world, and now it will be a hospital. California is lending 500 state-owned ventilators to New York and other hotspots to help them get through this. Governor Gavin Newsom says California has enough ventilators for now to be able to help places in dangerously short supply. One emerging problem is that you cannot use ventilators without sedatives, and the U.S. is starting to run low on those too. A report released yesterday by the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services also corroborated warnings by healthcare workers of other severe shortages. Some hospitals are so desperate for protective masks that they're scrounging them from auto body shops and nail salons. At least one hospital is making its own hand sanitizer by mixing gel used for ultrasounds with alcohol from a nearby distillery. In substantiating complaints about inadequate equipment, what the HHS IG shows counters assertions by the president that hospitals are being greedy by asking for resources they don't need. Hospitals also report that they cannot always maintain enough staff on duty because the pandemic is not only sidelining people who get the virus, but it's also taking such an emotional toll on doctors and other medical workers that there's a high level of absenteeism. More than 700 workers in Detroit's Henry Ford Health System have now tested positive for the virus. That's 2% of the entire workforce. And as tests ramp up, it's expected to continue to grow. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, 33 of the 45 residents who have died of COVID-19 in Milwaukee were black. That's three quarters, even though black residents make up fewer than half of the county's infections and about 28% of the total population. The disparity is even more glaring when you look statewide. Black residents in Wisconsin represent nearly half of the coronavirus-related deaths, even though they only make up 6% of the state. No part of the black community has been left untouched. It's passed through blocks with stately middle-class homes where wild turkeys graze on front lawns and in poor sections where the streets are strewn with empty vodka bottles and used surgical gloves. Black communities are seeing similar patterns in Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, and Washington, D.C. In Chicago, blacks are dying at six times the rate of whites. The deadly path is a detour from early anecdotes that the disease was spreading in social circles of wealthy, predominantly white travelers. The biggest challenge now, of course, is how to stop the spread in the black community. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett says the city's trying new ways to relay the risks of the virus and to impress 
upon his black constituents the importance of social distancing. Many in the African-American community of Milwaukee have not been social distancing. But it's difficult to communicate through churches and community meetings that are no longer an option because of the closures. Number two, as President Trump stares down a pandemic, an economic collapse, and a political crisis, he thinks he may have found a silver bullet, hydroxychloroquine. He hears about the controversial anti-malarial drug on the phone from friends in New York, including his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. He hears about it in White House meetings from advisors who are eager to play, placate or please the boss, so they share anecdotes with him of the drug working. And he hears about it on television from panelists on Fox News who tout its efficacy. In fact, Fox host Laura Ingram and two doctors who are regular guests on her show visited the White House last Friday for a private meeting with Trump to talk up the drug. Never mind that hydroxychloroquine is an unproven treatment for COVID-19 and is still in the testing stages, or that it has dangerous side effects for some, or that medical professionals are divided on its capability. The top infectious disease expert on Trump's coronavirus task force, Tony Fauci, has privately pleaded with the president to be more cautious in urging people to try the drug. But Trump, who famously says that he trusts his gut more than anything any expert could tell him, is again letting his impulses guide what he tells a locked down nation eager to return to normal. As the president has said repeatedly during his briefings in recent days, what do you have to lose? Well, it turns out Trump has a small personal financial interest in Sanofi, the French drug maker that makes Plaquenil, the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. Allies defend Trump's focus on the drug, though, as one person close to him put it yesterday, quote, the president lives in a world of wishes and hope. Number three, Boris Johnson is receiving oxygen support today after being moved into an intensive care unit last night. The British prime minister is in the ICU ward at St. Thomas's Hospital, but his office says he's not yet been placed on a ventilator. The foreign secretary holds the power to run the government during the crisis if required. Britain now has 52,000 confirmed cases and 5,400 recorded deaths. Meanwhile, Austria and Denmark became the first European countries to begin to ease their lockdowns. Belgium, France, Spain, and others are similarly examining how they will loosen some of the restrictions on public life. But European leaders remain cautious since some countries that have sought to return to normal, such as Singapore and Japan, have then seen spikes of new infections. On the other side of the world, New Zealand has demoted its health minister. Dave Clark drove his family to the beach amid a strong national lockdown. He apologized in a statement for letting the team down and added, quote, I've been an idiot. But here's some good news for the little ones listening. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern yesterday officially categorized the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy as essential workers so that they are allowed to travel during the pandemic in order to make deliveries. Ardern, who has a 21-month-old daughter of her own, asked kids in her country to be understanding if the Easter Bunny is not able to make all his usual stops this Sunday, and she said he may not be able to bring as many treats as he usually does this year because he's so busy. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, April 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. 
Today's show is sponsored by Malwarebytes, modern cybersecurity that eliminates the online threats traditional security software misses. Get with the times. Get Malwarebytes for business. Learn more at Malwarebytes.com. That's Malware, B-Y-T-E-S, dot com. 